1: Hi, it's Joanna Oakey here. Welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast. Today, we are talking to Denise Hall from Business Brokers, .com.au. Denise gives us a little bit of a different perspective today, coming from the perspective of someone who has built and sold a business, and then after that, turned to become a business value analyst, exit strategist, and a broker to businesses who are looking to sell their business. So she has a unique perspective that started from the client side, from the side as the business owner that was building their business to sale, and to now dealing on a daily basis with those business owners that are selling their business. And she had some interesting things to say in terms of what businesses should be doing to keep themselves sale ready and what accountants and other professional advisors who are working with businesses should be doing and bearing in mind when they're dealing with these businesses as they grow and evolve into something that one day might be ready to sell. Hi, Denise. Thanks so much for joining us here today on The Deal Room Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great. Okay, wonderful. I thought maybe the best thing for us to do, Denise, today is maybe just start with going back over a little bit of a history. Maybe if you could give the listeners here a bit of a snapshot into where you were before you started being involved in consulting businesses around the exit.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I've been a an exit strategist, business broker, and business value analyst for approximately six years. Prior to that, I had my own business that was 15 years old, and I got to the stage where I decided to take it to market along with a business partner. We did that, the GFC hit, that hurt. Um but yeah. nonetheless we, we went through the process and we got it sold. It was doing seven figures at the time we took it to sale. So it wasn't a small business that we could just pack away. We had clients and contracts and so forth. So right. we went to market, had that sold, and then the group that sold the business is is essentially who I am still now associated with.
1: Right, right. Okay, there you go. And so it's, that's who you met your future partners with. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Story. So essentially, they said
0: to me, Well, what are you doing next? Yeah. Because a business broker is a whole lot better if they've had a whole lot of business experience mm. behind them because they understand the business, small business landscape for a start. Secondly, there's not that many female business brokers around. And thirdly, females own a third of Australian-owned businesses in Australia. So it kind of makes sense about servicing that market, which is the role that I uh, have stepped into and continue to play. Mind you, you know I have clients, both male and female. Mm. But nonetheless, the option is there should uh, either, either parties need to have a discussion about thinking about selling or actually getting
1: out. Mm. And so, I'm really interested to know what your experiences were when you sold that first business.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't know anything. (laughs) Ha
1: ha! hear a lot of business owners say, you know, because quite often many business owners we deal with won't have gone through this process before or if they have, they haven't gone through it many times. And so it's a new space, but it's just always interesting for me to understand. And, you know, I think for some of the listeners who are accountants and brokers to sort of understand what it feels like to walk in those shoes. Maybe you can give us a bit of a a feeling of what was going on for you at the time and, and how the process felt for you.
0: Yeah, sure. So even just even present day now, something that I have learned as a result is what what I'm stunned at on a regular basis is that a business owner does not know what their business is worth at any given time. Mm. Now, often that business is maybe their second largest asset to their home, maybe their largest, depending on the size of the thing that they're doing. And yet I could ask them, you know what your house is worth, don't you? And they'll say, yes, and pretty close to it. So tell me what's the uh, value of your business then and I can't do it.
1: Mm.
0: Or they'll default and say, talk to my accountant. Mm. Wrong answer. Mm. This is an asset sitting in your asset portfolio, it should be, right? Creating cash flow for you and your family, blah, 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 right? Mm. So the fact that you don't actually know what that's worth is indicative of, it's not a lack of respect, it's just a lack of knowledge. You're like, you, just, you don't know what you don't know. And yep. so therefore building on that, you also don't know what you think is valuable in your business is not necessarily.
1: And that's the reality, isn't it? That's the reality. You know, I see this a lot. I see businesses think they're going to be able to walk into a fairly quick sale and then suddenly they're slapped with the reality that the business is not worth what they thought it was worth. (laughs) Well, that's the initial conversation,
0: right? Which, So if, if I have my way, I would have every business owner And this is my intent for the world is that every (laughs) business owner knows what their business is worth at any given time. Mm. And if that means we do an appraisal every year, we do an appraisal every year, Mm. right? Depending on their market, it might make sense to do it a bit, you know. Two years mm. or whatever the number is, but nonetheless, it's this notion of knowing where you stand at em- any given time. Because what happens is, as you say, I have business owners come into me and they've already started making plans on a number they've got in their head now, mm. and that, that number could have come from a whole raft of different places. There's no, you know, wrong kind of rhyme or reason in that. But essentially, what happens though, if they've started making decisions from a lifestyle choice, from the next chapter choice depending on what all that is, they'll come into me and then we'll, I'll take them through our appraisal process. And in some cases, I've halved what they thought it's worth. Mm. And they crumble in front of me. It's mm. awful. Mm. And of course, then I get grumpy because I think, why on earth are you only finding this out now? Yeah. Like, that's wrong, you know? So that's why I want business owners to know on a regular basis so that then they're making decisions that are
1: informed, Mm. And so you said that part of this comes from your learning when you sold your first business. Mm. So how how mm. did that impact you when you sold your business? So were you one of these people who, that you're talking about yep. that had sort of not realized the, the value until the point of sale? Oh, yeah, I thought I could justify something astronomical.
0: Right. But, you, you know, what I know now is that you can't. Yeah. But you think you can, you know, and you think, and even interestingly enough, because I had a business partner in the business at the time, even having that discussion prior to even getting to talk to a broker is something in and of itself, right? Because you're talking about not only the business and the entity and the mechanics of, but you're talking about the humans that are in the middle of it. Right. Yeah. And so I started the conversation. She, it wasn't something she wanted to entertain. Mm. It probably took 12 to 18 months for her to, oh, six to 12 months Mm. for her to decide what she wanted to do. I thought she'd buy me out. She didn't want to do that. She didn't want to do it on her own. Mm. So if we then wanted to get out or I wanted to be able to facilitate my way out, the only other option we had was to go to market. Mm right? And she was okay with that once we had got to that point. But even that discussion took that length of time. Mm. Because if it's, again, if it's not something that is discussed on a regular basis or your intent for the next year or whatever, mm. you know, a bit like goal setting, business owners don't goal set with each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like they just don't do it, right? So you might do it for the business, but they don't do it with each other. It's yeah. just, just human stuff, yeah? yeah? So it took that long to get to there. And then, of course, once we went to market, the GFC hit. So that, you know, what would normally now take six, nine, twelve months to do took me two years. And so that had a, it it's added pressures as well, because as a business owner who may have gone down this path before, once you kind of flip that switch, it's really hard to stay engaged in it the is, business. Yeah. And and I see that. Yeah. From a selling point of view, I want that thing trending up like it's never trended before. Now, as a business owner wanting to get out, that's the last thing you can be bothered doing sometimes. Mm. Right. Mm. So it's this, this real kind of dichotomy, if you like, around up, down, you know, I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. And can mm. just get a little tricky.
1: Mm. And so, what are some of those insights then that I guess, what have those insights done for you moving forward in relation to how you work with your clients or people who approach you?
0: Yeah, I ask the questions that don't get asked. And what are they? So, they'll be things like, so for me, there's, or for us, actually, there's three parts to the exit question. First part is around the actual financial position of the owner. The second part is around the saleability of the business itself. And the third part is around the business owner personally. So let me go through those. First one around the financial uh, position of the owner. What role does the business play? Is it the be all and end all? Is it the super? Or is it something that you've been doing a long time, but you've actually used the money on the way through, set yourself up very nicely? You've already got other assets that can replace the cash flow that the business provides. Mm. And therefore, the emphasis on that sale price is not as great. It's not as... Necessary. Yep. Mm. So that's one element. The second element is around the salability of the business itself. Look, you get some coaches and they're, they're talking about exit and this is the piece that they'll look at only. Mm. And this is where, because it's only one of three parts, so that's where it's quite dangerous. And then even the sellability piece, it's actually about finishing what I call finishing unfinished business. It's actually about doing the stuff that you've put off for as long as you've been putting it off for because you don't want to do it, you don't like doing it. It's getting all the ducks in the row, getting all the, getting it in, in a shape that that if I was to sell your business in a box, all the bits are there, all the bits are working and everything's contained so I can hand that entity over to someone else.
1: (laughs) We call it getting transaction ready. And we, you you know, it's a real theme. It's a real theme, I I think, at the moment. And it's certainly um, things that we talk about a lot in terms of the importance of getting a business in the position where it's sale ready at any point. And, you know, because the reality is, A sale-ready business is also a really good business in and of itself in any event because usually it's a much tidier business than businesses before they're sale-ready, right? Well,
0: we've got businesses sale-ready before and then, of course, the thing starts and humming and then they don't want to sell it. That's (laughs) That's right. But that's perfectly fine Yeah, because that's the thing. People don't sell except for reasons of health or something that kind of comes out of left field, but business owners don't sell perfectly humming businesses. Mm. You don't need to, right? There's no need to get out. And then usually it's other mitigating circumstances that will will bring it to the fore, really. Mm. But then on that third piece, which is actually one of the most crucial pieces, which is about the business owner themselves, nobody has this conversation. And for me, it's this notion of if that business is certainly a number of years old, 10, 15, 20 years old, it has been at that dining room table in that family, whether you like it or not, right? That thing is there represented day in, day out. It's paid for the roof over the head, it's paid for the kids' fees, school fees, it's paid for the cut, whatever it's paid for, right? Now, to think that you can just pull that dining room chair away and not impact the owner or the family is naive, Mm. absolutely naive. Mm. And so a lot of the conversation, especially if I've got time, it's a whole lot, as you would know, it's a whole lot easier to go towards something than it is to move away from something. Mm. And we've had business owners sabotage sales unintentionally, but they're not ready to let it go. Oh,
1: look, I see that all the time. It really, it's fascinating the emotional journey that happens in a sale environment. Well, you know, to suggest that business is not
0: personal is bollock. Technical term that I know, Mm. but it so is. Mm. And that's generally, and, and I'm talking about these the smaller size businesses that I deal with all day, every day. Mm. So anything under a you know 10 mil kind of turnover, right? Because mm. when you're starting to get up into the bigger realms, then you you become more and more disconnected because you're not close to the you're not as close to clients, you're not as close, you're just not as close because you've got more layers, right? Because you're running a bigger thing. Like mm. I get that. Mm. But when you're in that smaller category, it has to be personal because mm. you're in the
1: mix. Mm. Yep. And so you work a lot with accountants. I I think we've discussed this in the past. I'm really interested to hear, and I'm sure some of our listeners will be interested to hear what your insights are into working with accountants in this area Um, and suggestions, I I guess, you might have in relation to how accountants are dealing with their clients as they're building up to a sale or a purchase, indeed. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yes, we, we do work closely with accountants. In the actual sale transaction
0: itself, we're actually got an an accountant and a lawyer and a coach perhaps and a financial planner and a whatever on both sides. So we're very much the project manager, if you like, kind of facilitator role. Mm. Because somebody has to be in the middle to bring this to keep this thing on track because we've got opinion, you know, qualified opinion on both sides, right? So that's the actual process itself. So we kind of move into that facilitator role with the view that the transaction will finalize and therefore we work closely with the accountants and the lawyers and so forth on both sides to get it to the point where it will finish mm. right it will actually settle that's kind of the sale process itself
1: and that team approach is great we deal with lots of different types of professional approaches you you know within our legal practice but you know certainly i find the transactions that move the smoothest and the quickest are where you have Everyone working together as professionals as a team. You know, I think that's a really important point that you're making there. I want to add to that, and I actually want them in the
0: same room. Mm. The ones that we can get through as smoothly and as seamlessly and as timely as possible is where we can actually get all the professionals that are required to do this in the room at the same time where possible. Now, it's not always possible, I know, but that's our ideal. That's mm. our ideal because what also happens is, as you think about it from the business owner's perspective, right, they're getting, and I call it the silo effect, right, they're getting advice from their accountant, they're getting advice from their lawyer, they're getting advice from the others that I mentioned before. Now, unless there's somebody there holding their hand that they know that can help guide them through this whole thing, it, they're left to synchronize all the stuff that they are told on their own. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely which is when then that and that's why holes form right that's where you know poor decisions are made because they don't again, as a business owner, you don't know what you don't know. So you're relying on your professional services that you're hiring to assist you. But to do that as in silos can be equally as dangerous or, you know, equally as non effective. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. So our ideal is where we can get the whole gang in the room and we spend an afternoon on it and we thrash it out
1: and then everybody's on the same page and then the contract reflects that. Great. And so in working with your accountants, then what are some, obviously one one of the things that it suggests, sounds like you're suggesting is that it's great for accountants to get on board with the lawyers, get on board with the brokers and work together as an integrated team, which I wholeheartedly agree with. What are other areas that you think it, it would be really useful for accountants to have more of an understanding of when they're dealing with their clients in this lead up to a sale or purchase?
0: We've got a growing... Group or growing number of accountants that default to us to do the appraisal piece.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, whether that's for selling tomorrow or whether that's for selling in two years' time, doesn't really matter. For all the reasons that we've mentioned so far about you know market realities and playing in this space day in day out and understanding the different industries and the different rules of thumbs that apply the different and all of that stuff, right? So instead of second guessing, they're bringing us in to do the appraisal piece on their client on their behalf and then what they're doing is either allowing us to come in and talk to the client and present their appraisal information or they're doing it themselves and using it as an advisory piece to work with them if it's more likely to be over a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Yeah, and so they're doing it so, you know, as at today and then, you know, we'll come in again in maybe another 12 months, 18 months time and we'll do it again. And that's very much about understanding. Essentially, if you don't like the price today and you've still got the time, energy, and effort left in you to want to adjust that price, then these are the things. So, part of our appraisal is about looking at, at what you could be doing to assist to adjust. Yeah. And so, and some of the accountants are picking up that consulting role, advisory yeah. role. Yeah.
1: Right, right. Okay. All right. I think you raised some really interesting points there. And and I just wonder if implicit in what you're saying in relation to the way you work with accountants is that you've identified this issue that sometimes occurs in how accountants or other advisors are dealing with clients in terms of talking valuation? Is that is that something is that why you work with accountants in terms of providing these extra valuation services? Yeah, essentially.
0: I mean, so just around, I guess, the definition of, a, of appraisal and valuation. Yeah. So from our point of view, we talk about appraisal being a more general exercise that Arrived at a price range from a salability point of view. Evaluation, on the other hand, and we have accredited valuers here that do these on a regular basis. But evaluation, on the other hand, is more about it being a full, pardon me, a full blown valuation. You know, a document yay thick, mm. costing a whole lot more dollars. And quite often, the valuations, the extent to the valuations, dependent on what it's for. But they'll be used for things like partnership split or court proceedings or you know, partnership fallout, things like that, right? So what I'm talking about is the appraisal piece mm-hmm. versus that valuation part. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, we've got accredited values here that can do that side of it as well. So it's really about what the information is to be used for and how it can then, and which is the best provision of the exercise that will produce what's required.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And so then, I, I guess, just as a general question, what's your suggestion in relation to what advisors, you know, whether they're accountants or consultants or whatever their case may be, should be doing in ensuring that they're helping their clients get sale ready? Talk to someone like myself
0: who does this all day, every day. But, you know, not at the theory level. Look, I do not doubt there is absolute logic in some of what is expected to happen. If we tweak it here, it should relate there, right? But if you don't give it enough time, you don't give it enough air cover, you don't give it enough effort, you know, a 12-month exit plan rollout to try and tweak so many things invariably doesn't always roll out on the bottom line, right? And when we go to market, what we're looking at is the profitability of the business and the quality of it, right? So, if you're not prepared to put in the time, effort and energy to do the work to really shift that quality and shift that profitability, actually, don't worry about it. Like don't do it. <laughs> mm. Like don't do it. But if you as a coach or an accountant or whatever can really see that in the time frame that the business owner has stated that they're prepared to give it a go, can really see a way to shift it. And that might be because they've got a piece of IP that they really need to push out to the marketplace or something like that, right? And that can be done reasonably in a reasonable time frame. Then things like that are worth doing. But if in 12 months, it's actually not going to look a whole lot better than it is now, then go to market now. Right. Or not waste the effort or the energy or the money on something that's actually not going to make that much difference. And the only way you're going to know what will actually make difference is to talk to someone like ourselves who know what buyers are looking for. That they're who we talk to all day, every day, right? We know what they're looking for. We know where they see the value. And as I said to you back when, you know, back when I was you don't what I as a business owner think is valuable is not necessarily what the buyer does.
1: Mm. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a really good point for everyone to bear in mind just because you think it's important or valuable doesn't necessarily mean that someone coming into the business will also see that as, um, you know, as important or as valuable as you think it might be.
0: And so just into, in addition to that too, um, my dear colleague always says that what a buyer pays is the price. The reason they pay that price is the potential. But to think that you're going to pay for potential
1: that has not been realized does not happen. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, great. All right. Well, look, I think we've covered some really important topics here. I guess just as a bit of a rehash, we um, we heard about how you um, built and sold your first business and how that really contributed to the concepts that you're using now in dealing with your clients in getting ready for an exit and, of course, dealing with them at exit. Um, do, do you have any action steps for any of our listeners who who are listening? Maybe for the businesses who are trying to get themselves sale ready, what's some of the action steps that you might give them that maybe are different to the sorts of action steps they might be hearing elsewhere? Get an appraisal. Right. Perfect.
0: Get an appraisal, get a line in the sand as at today for your business in your industry. And then if you don't want to sell it tomorrow, that's okay. Then we've got time to talk about levers to pull in order to ideally, can't always guarantee it obviously, but ideally come up with an appraisal that you're you're more likely to feel comfortable with in a timeframe that suits. But really that appraisal, what a business is worth at any given time, whether that be for the business owner, the clients, the accountants, or whoever, is so fundamentally important. I can't emphasize that enough. Mm,
1: Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, look, thank you so much, Denise, for coming to talk to us. And if any of our listeners or accountants are interested in um, connecting with you, finding out more about you, they can do so at your website at businessbrokers.com.au. Yeah, that's right. find you at LinkedIn, I guess. That's another way.
0: LinkedIn would be the best place. Just look it for Denise Hall, business value analyst, and you will find me easily. And drop me a message and or connect. Either way, I'm um, I'm happy to talk to as many, obviously business owners, but accountants and those that play in the business ownership space. You know, the 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 more refined we can get this, and the more that we do work as a team collective, the better we can serve as our clients
1: collectively. Brilliant. Wonderful. Okay, great. Thanks for your time, Denise. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great. Ladies and
0: gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.